Good morning and welcome to the snooze. On today's episode, I'll cover an Equifax exit, Amazon HQ developments, and a ballsy vacuum company. I'm your host, Will Nitza. Richard Smith, the chairman and chief exec of credit reporting agency Equifax, stepped down on Tuesday in the aftermath of a breach that exposed data on 143 million people. So it's been almost three weeks since the breach was disclosed. Let's take a minute and recap the shitstorm that led to Tricky Dick's departure. September 7th, Equifax announces hackers have gained access to social security numbers, birth dates, and home addresses for nearly half of America as well as over 400,000 people's credit card details and credit dispute documents. Shockingly, the company admitted it had been sitting on this information for six full weeks, and that the hack was a result of them failing to install a software security update for a full two months after the update was issued. Then Equifax refused to proactively inform consumers whether their data was actually compromised, instead directing them to a site where they could enter their name and social security number to see if their data may have been stolen. So essentially, the company that couldn't protect your data in the first place is not only asking you for more data, but they're only willing to generate a guess as to whether you're at risk. That shit ain't cool, man. The final two straws were that Equifax accidentally tweeted out a link of a URL they thought was a help site, but due to a typo, was instead a site created to mock Equifax. And second, we learned that three Equifax execs sold $2 million in company shares after they learned of the breach, but before it was reported. So, given the comedy of errors here, Richard Smith stepping down is obviously a no-brainer. But I'll tell you what this really reminded me of. The departure of Wells Fargo CEO John Stumpf a year ago amidst the bank's sales practices scandal. Both leaders were once widely admired and able to roughly double their company's stock prices in 10 years, only to be undone by their oversight of freewheeling internal practices. Both incited public outrage and prompted congressional hearings into their operations, And given Smith's $20 million exit package and Stump's $130 million payout, both ended up making out like bandits in the end anyway. The Times had a super entertaining article yesterday on all the crazy shit North American city reps are doing to attract Amazon as it determines where to build HQ2, its new $5 billion headquarters. For example... Business leaders in Tucson have tried to mail Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos a 21-foot cactus. 50 volunteers in Tulsa have been poring over videos of Bezos in the mayor's office-turned-war room. And hundreds of Wharton Business School students in Philly have been given the fall semester assignment of pitching the city to Amazon. For those wondering why cities are going to such lengths, Amazon announced three weeks ago it was creating an open competition amongst North American cities to determine where it could achieve the best tax breaks, talent pool, and other amenities. And while applications aren't due until October 19th, some cities have already gotten some pretty epic responses to Amazon. For instance, Jeff Cheney, the mayor of Frisco, Texas, has literally offered to build his city around Amazon, saying, quote, Our city's only about 60% built out, so we've got a lot of available land where we can build to suit. We play to win. We're innovators, we're forward thinkers, and we're serious, end quote. Gotta love that guy. The response has been so prolific and colorful that mayor's bids have become their very own YouTube subgenre. Canadian cities are going pretty hard in the paint too, though. According to Ottawa's mayor, Jim Watson, quote, Amazon has something like 9,000 engineering jobs they can't fill. 
Our immigration policy is much more liberal. That's where we have an advantage, end quote. That's a fair point, eh? Ultimately, though, most analysts believe taxes and not immigration will determine the winner. Take Philly, a city with fairly high business taxes. They've said that they'd be willing to reconsider their rates. These concessions are troubling, though, to many economists who believe Amazon's bidding practices equate essentially to blackmail. And entertainment aside, I gotta say I kind of agree. As more and more big corporations get huge concessions from cities they settle in, we run the risk of creating a bit of a corporate welfare state. Dyson, best known as a manufacturer of vacuum cleaners, air filters, and overly aggressive hand dryers in airport bathrooms, announced yesterday it would build an electric car by 2020. According to founder James Dyson, they'll invest $1.34 billion to develop the car, plus the same amount to create solid-state batteries to power it. To put that in perspective, that sum is actually more than Tesla spent on R&D over the past five years and will dwarf the money Dyson's spending on R&D for its vacuums and air filters. Many are skeptical of Dyson's ability to compete in a field that's growing ever more competitive by the day. Even outside of Tesla, you have Volkswagen, Mercedes, and Toyota, all of whom are committing billions to achieving market share in electric cars. But honestly, given the moderate amount I've read about Dyson's background, I'd say they have a pretty solid shot. For one, their cars are slated to be super unique. James Dyson says the design will be, quote, radically different. It's not a sports car, and it's not a very cheap car, end quote. Furthermore, while most electric vehicle companies are using lithium-ion batteries, Dyson will use solid-state batteries that are smaller, more efficient, easier to charge, and potentially easier to recycle. Apparently, Dyson's also been investing in battery technology for several years now. For instance, it bought a Michigan-based company that's claimed major breakthroughs in solid-state for $90 million bucks in 2015. It's also apparently had 400 engineers secretly working on its car project for the last two and a half years, and it's really only going public with the project now because secrecy was hurting its ability to work with auto parts suppliers. There is one big impediment for Dyson, though, which is building out a massive charging network for its cars and batteries. Dyson is hoping the UK will subsidize in-home plug points, which very few homes have today. Either way, I think James Dyson's a super scrappy and impressive guy, which a simple Wikipedia page would certainly corroborate. It takes balls for a vacuum cleaning company to take on Big Auto, but if anyone could do it, it's this guy. And that's the bell. This was only our second episode, so let us know what you think. If you liked it, please subscribe via the podcast app or wherever you get your pods. And if you didn't, then screw you, man. Also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we'll be posting articles, pics, and other cool shit pretty much every day. Toodaloo!